0: Well, I asked the kids, I might as well ask you, do you like to watch movies? (laughs) Do you have a favorite movie? As I was growing up, sometimes my family and I would randomly uh, quote lines from our favorite movies. Molly's family did that too, and it's a tradition. uh, We've continued. In fact, when Molly uh, and I were dating, she told me her all-time favorite movie was the inspirational sports movie, Hoosiers. Now, I grew up a basketball fan, and that was one of my favorite movies, too. So I was quite impressed. (laughs) And I decided not just to take her words at face value, but to test her out. So I did. And she was right. (laughs) She knows almost all the lines to that movie by heart. I think that's when I first knew I wanted to marry her. <laughs> Hoosiers is a movie about a high school basketball team from a small town in Indiana and their improbable run to the 1954 state championship. The team uh, represented that tight-knit community, and the community gave it strong and vocal support to the team. In the film, A well-liked coach dies, and a new coach is hired to replace him. But at the start of the season, the star player, Jimmy Chitwood, is so upset that he refuses to play. And then at a team pep rally, where the members of the team were going to be introduced... Some people in the crowd, not just students, but townspeople, because this was a big deal, high school basketball, small town Indiana, it was a big community event. Some people from the town looked out and saw that Jimmy was not among the players. And so they started to chant, we want Jimmy, we want Jimmy. And then more and more people joined in, and it reached a point where the coach felt like he needed to address the chance. So he he went up to the microphone and he said, I would hope you would support who we are, not who we are not. This is your team. And it was a great moment in the movie. For all of us, the distinction between who we are and who we are not is an important one. That distinction is part of our scripture reading for today. Paul distinguishes between who we are not and who we are. Uh, This is our second week in a five-week series on Paul's letters. Last week, uh, we handed out scripture memory cards uh, for the series with uh, the words printed on the back from Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2. And that's our our key uh, memory verse for this series. And I told you uh, last week that uh, during worship we would recite those words by heart. So I encourage you as a kind of homework assignment to learn those words from memory and recite them uh, with me today. Ready? (laughs) Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, not bad. Not bad. I, I, I heard some of you, I wasn't the only one, so that was good. The rest of you, you've got work to do. But in all seriousness, I, I mentioned this in my weekly update. You know there's power in the simple act of taking God's word into our hearts. I know that. Uh, Just last week I was reminded of that In in an exceptionally busy, stressful time. Those words came to my mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, Ken, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it was like somebody had hit the pause button on all the stress. And the problems didn't go away, but my spirits were lifted, and and my soul could breathe again, and and I felt strengthened and empowered. And and that's that's what it's like as we not only hear God's word, but receive the word of God, the promises of God uh, into our hearts. So I I encourage you uh, to do that. Last week in worship, we focused on how to find peace and hope. Peace and hope are what Jesus came to bring us. We receive those gifts as we trust in him and all he has done for us, especially in his death and resurrection and in his pouring out of God's love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Today we continue that theme by going even deeper to look at the question of our identity, who we are and who we are not. Paul has much more to teach us. He begins in this passage by addressing who we are not. We are no longer slaves to fear, he says. We are no longer slaves to fear. That means we can be set free from addiction to fear. Yeah, yeah fear and, and struggles will likely always be part of our lives to some degree. But here's the difference. You don't have to be controlled by fear. We are no longer slaves to fear. Paul writes, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption as children of God. We are not slaves. We don't have to live in fear. The Greek word translated slaves could also be translated servants, but it's servants in a very negative sense. Uh, Think, for example, of an unhealthy work environment that keeps people bound in fear. Maybe you've had a difficult boss. Maybe you are a difficult boss. (laughs) John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, distinguished between the faith of a servant and the faith of a child. He likened the faith of a servant to the spirit of bondage to fear. Those under a spirit of bondage feel sorrow and remorse. They desire to break free from the chains of sin, but they can't. They fear death and evil and are often held captive by fear, even irrational fears. And I would say, at least my experience is, when I finally take a step back from those fears, I see in almost every case, they're completely irrational. But Wesley's saying, this is one kind of of faith. So in a way, it's, 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 it's right. I mean, right in the sense that the person who has this kind of faith believes in God. But but it's not what he elsewhere calls f- the fullness of faith. It's, it's the faith of a of a servant, and 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 it leaves people still often overwhelmed by fear, captive to fear. But he says the faith of a child goes beyond that. This is the fullness of faith that you and I can receive from God. The faith of a child of God is superior because it's characterized not by fear but by genuine love. childlike love trusts. Have you noticed how children can be so quick to express joy? All kinds of situations lead them, little kids, to to be joyful. Kids can find Uh, joy and sometimes the simplest of things. As an example, (laughs) this is a latex glove. And it's been filled with water. I was given instructions this morning as I was heading out the door, actually, by Annie. Uh, Daddy, take this to church. This is not, to her, a glove. It's a cow's udder. So she fills these gloves, we just bought a whole box of them yesterday, uh, with water, ties them up, or gets me to tie them, and and then has all kinds of fun pretending to be a cow, and oh, you know. So she gives this to me. Daddy, take this to church. Okay. Uh, Little does she know that that I would would use it to talk about her (laughs) in my sermon. But just a little example of the, I mean, the rest of us, okay, it's a glove. You use it, you throw it out. Uh, no real joy in that to a child, wow! It's like a whole whole new universe has opened up this is fun, imagination, joy cool stuff Daddy, can I get more? (laughs) (laughs) And children just have this tendency to find and express joy we can learn from them in that way. Jesus says, be like children, be like children. Childlike love rejoices in what is good. We can live lives controlled by fear or lives guided by genuine love. Jesus commends the faith of a child. And once the disciples asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You remember what Jesus does? And I say does because it's not just his words that are significant here. He called a little child to him and then placed the child among them, among these hotshot disciples, And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like one of these little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name, Jesus then said, welcomes me. I love that you are a church that excels at welcoming children as a church you open up your hearts to children I think that's one reason why God has been sending more and more children our way isn't that a beautiful thing to see Jesus says that as we welcome children in his name we welcome him Jesus wants us all to be in a sense like children that means childlike trust in him childlike joy, childlike wonder, childlike love. After telling us who we are not, and there we go, right on cue, how about that? (laughs) Thanks, Aaron, appreciate it. After he tells us who we're not, Paul then reminds us of who we are, or really whose we are. Paul writes, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We're no longer slaves uh, to fear or servants of fear. No longer controlled by fear, defined by fear, dominated, consumed by fear. We're children of God. That's what defines us. That's who we are. Think about this for your life. It's very tempting for us to take our weakest moment, our, our greatest fear and, and, and fixate on that and think this is, this is who I am. This struggle that I just can't get through. This thing I can't seem to shake. This, this must really define me, go to the very core of my identity. But that's a lie. That's not who, who you are. That doesn't define you, it doesn't have to. Who you are is based on something so much greater. Who God has claimed you to be and calls you to be. We're children of God. And this means at least four things, as Nikki Gumbel explains in his commentary to our daily reading plan uh, on the website, BibleInOneYear.org. And I, I refer to his teaching here because, first, I think it's really great and spot on. And second, it's an encouragement for you. If you have not yet, uh, Go to that website and signed up for the daily emails or you can download the free app there you will get this information sent to you for free on a daily basis solid quality biblical teaching I encourage you to do that because it will strengthen your faith it will draw you closer to God and this is a little bit of a sample of the kind of teaching you'll find there the, that that it means at least four things that we are God's children first highest status There we are. There is no higher status than to be a child of God. Under Roman law, if an adult wanted an heir, he could either choose one of his own sons or adopt a son who would take his name. God has only one uh, begotten son, only one son truly by nature, Jesus, but he has many adopted sons and daughters. You have been adopted into God's. Family, by grace. There is no status in the world that compares with the privilege of being a child of God. Second, closest intimacy. You have the closest possible intimacy with God. Paul says that by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, A-B-B-A. Uh, Long before it became the name of a Swedish pop group in the 1970s, the word Abba was an Aramaic term. It may well, well have been the first word that Paul ever spoke and the way in which he addressed his earthly father. Jesus used Abba in speaking to God in a distinctive way. It expresses both profound respect and close intimacy, and it is perhaps... Uh, best thought of as daddy or papa. In many parts of the Middle East it is still the first word children are taught. I don't know if the couples in the Middle East have the same challenge that at least in my household we had when it was a kind of a competition, okay is she gonna say daddy or mommy first? (laughs) Which one? But it's the term It's a term of of the closest familiarity and intimacy. As God's child, you're no longer a slave to fear. But an adopted child of God, you can enjoy the closest possible intimacy with your Father in heaven, whom Jesus says knows everything about you, even the number of hairs on our head. Closest intimacy with God third deepest experience the spirit gives you the deepest possible experience of God Paul explains the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children testifies it's a, it's a very strong word I you know, we, we speak uh, of testifying in a in a court situation for example A testimony, for it to be valid, for it to hold up, to be true, it has to be grounded in evidence, in reality. You can't just make something up and say, oh, I'm testifying that this is true. It it could be completely made up, but it's not made up in this case. It stands the, the, the test that anyone who scrutinizes it would put it up to. That the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. In the same way, I want my children to know and experience my love for them and my relationship with them. God wants His children to be assured of that love and of that relationship. God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we are. Fourth, greatest security. To be a son or daughter of God is the greatest security. For if we are children of God, we are also heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Under Roman law, an adopted son would inherit his estate. As children of God, we are heirs. The only difference is that we inherit not on the death of our father, but on our own death. You will enjoy an eternity. Of love with Jesus and we know we're going to get what's coming an unbelievable inheritance Paul adds if indeed we share in Christ's suffering in order that we may also share in his glory this is a bit of a paradox but in the Christian life glory comes through suffering we go through exactly what Christ goes through if, if we go through the hard times with him then we're certainly Going to go through the good times with Him. Because He has chosen to go through those times, good times, hard times, everything in between, with us. And so we can identify with Jesus Christ. Uh, You will face some opposition and difficulties because they are part of life, but your inheritance as a child of God surpasses all those troubles. As God's children, you and I have the highest status, closest possible intimacy with God, the deepest possible experience of God, and the greatest security and inheritance. At the start, I mentioned the basketball team from the movie Hoosiers. For that team, the whole was greater than the sum of its parts and and that 's an expression that means that somehow when when these individuals came together that that it was like the result was greater than simply taking the value or the worth or the skills of each one individually and adding that up it, it, it's it's kind of a a mystery how things like that work but there's there's a synergy there's a togetherness that that makes it so that this team this group is greater than just a bunch of individuals put together and in an even more wonderful way here at Spry we are a team we're a family we are God's Children, children of God, every one of us. It's not for us to say who's on the team and who's not. That's Jesus' call. And he has brought us together in such a way that we are God's children. We are family. And for each of us, this can be true. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that because of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to live in fear. We release our fears to you right now as we name them in the silence of our hearts. Thank you that all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Lead us, Lord. Help us live as your children. Our trust is in you. We pray in Jesus' name, and as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven.